Good evening and welcome. Before we begin, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge our fellow alumni that are serving on the front line of this pandemic. Thank you for all that you do. My name is Christine Colley, class of 2013, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to our conversation on the impact of COVID-19 on real estate. Shortly after graduating Trinity, I began my career in commercial real estate at Cushman and Wakefield. I've been with Cushman and Wakefield for almost seven years and now serve as a managing director in our New York City headquarters, leading a team that predominantly focuses on office leasing. It's always a pleasure to be able to connect with fellow Bantams, especially those who share a common interest in real estate. I'm delighted to be joined by an esteemed group of alumni on this call, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to this evening's panelists. Thomas Brodsky, class of 2005, who serves as managing partner of the Brodsky organization, overseeing all aspects of the firm's operations from real estate management to residential leasing to new development. Peter Dunking, class of 81, who's been with George Comfort & Sons for over 30 years and now serves, serves as the firm's president and CEO. Throughout his tenure, Peter has managed acquisitions, financing, repositioning, management, and leasing. David Coppell, class of 1980, is the CEO of Rosen Group, where he manages a portfolio of shopping centers along the Eastern Seaboard. David is also a partner at Coppell Rosen, overseeing the management and leasing of over 2.5 million square feet throughout New York City. Tim Quinlan, class of 99, who's a partner at Quinlan Development Group, which invests in various asset classes with a value-add strategy, including debt renovation, repositioning, and ground-up construction. From here, I'm gonna hand it over to John Estrich, class of 75, president and founder of Estrich and Company, will be moderating the panel. I'd like to thank our panel and Caitlin Gasowski, Chris French, and everybody at Trinity who put this virtual conference together, um, as well as over 500 students and alumni who signed up for this event. The topic, the short and long-term impact of COVID-19 on the real estate industry is on the minds of every professional as we work through all the personal and professional problems this crisis has created. I have with my associates, Igor Petrov and John Carvello, come up with a series of, of, of general and specific questions for the panel. Um, the first question really is, is for everybody. And you know, I'd like Peter Duncan to start it off um, and the first question is, how has COVID-19 affected your business, um, properties? What precautions have you taken? And how are you approaching things moving forward? Talk about your rent collections, um, furloughs, layoffs. What are you doing to your buildings when the city opens up? What are you doing with your employees when they can return to work? Peter, do you want to start? Sure, John. It's a... Uh... It's a pretty broad question. So, um, yeah, obviously, I never assumed that I would see something like this in uh, my lifetime, and uh, so it's it's obviously different. Um, throughout the um, the crisis or the period that we're going through right now, we our buildings have remained open, so our tenants can access them and do it and do whatever they need to do. Obviously, the, for the Generally, most of our tenants have not been in our in the properties. They've been staying staying at home and working remotely. Um, precautions that we've taken, and we have a number of assets and about 13 and a half, 14 million square feet that we're dealing with right now. Um, what we've been what we've been doing primarily is, you know, 
extensive cleaning, um, cleaning of all the public areas um, on numerous occasions, um, working with our tenants as to their particular needs and timing and such. Um, you know, really, we're only in the business because we have tenants, and so that's wildly important to address their concerns. Um, you know, going forward, um, we have taken, we are taking steps to make um, significant changes to the way we operate vis-a-vis how many people will be getting into elevators at a single time, how many, um, how we're wiping down surfaces, um, what is sort of extra cleaning that are, we can help and provide to our tenants. Um, and and such i mean with regards to you know our own operation we're you know looking at how we're going to start having people come in it's um i suspect that regardless of whatever the governments allow to allow us to do we will come in on a limited basis to begin with and then slowly but surely ramp up things and we're looking at our own space as to you know distancing and other measures that we can take um, vis-a-vis to keep our tenants healthy. With regards to your question about, you know, our tenants and, and payments and such, for the most part, we've uh, been, you know, very lucky that the majority of our tenants have been able to continue to pay their rents and um, meet their obligations, uh, which is, you know, we've been very lucky with that. Um, we have been, though we do have a number of tenants that we have worked with, and we suspect that we'll have to work with other tenants. And we are, you know, structuring deals to accommodate their needs. Um, I think all of our tenants to one have made requests only when they've needed them. And, um, you know, we've been very comfortable to work with each and every one of them to come up with solutions that work for everybody. Now it gets a little bit more complicated because obviously we have to do, we have lenders on all of our properties and we need to work with them to make sure that they're comfortable with any, any uh, decisions or, or deals that we put in place, especially since some of the tenants we have are, and some of the requests have come from, you know, significant tenants, but, for the most part, things are working okay, and and we're keeping our fingers crossed that they will continue to do so. You know, I I have had less experience out there, maybe 18 years, but this is the first time I've seen anything like this as well. Uh, the speed of which uh, um, made it so that we were almost reacting on the day-to-day changes in the beginning. Uh, it impacted our entire portfolio, which is almost predominantly Northeast New York focused uh, with office, retail, and residential, and storage. Um, um, Each one has performed differently, uh, so it's a big question. I don't know how much time we have to go into each. Uh, Residential has held up the best. Um, uh, Retail has done the worst. Uh, Collections have ranged for us 12 to 14% on the retail side so it's been tough um we've been working with our tenants to keep them in uh in the spaces uh every tenant uh i'm talking about commercial tenants now 
uh, retail tenants. Um, breaks down to uh, creditworthiness, um, how strong the operator is, what kind of business they are, are they shut down permanently um, uh, by the state, or can they do delivery takeout, are they a liquor store, which tends to be doing quite well. Um, and we just deal with them on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, uh, all buildings amenities are shut down, but we've kept all buildings open, including the office buildings, uh, because there are some essential businesses that are inside the office building. Um, and like previously mentioned, we have increased cleaning, Purell, machine, Purell dispensers everywhere. Uh, we are doing longer term considerations such as uh, keyless entry, uh, and less uh, touch contact points for deliveries of packages, food, um, and uh, access points throughout the building. Um, it's, uh, and in terms of prepping for the reopening, uh, I think it's gonna be very gradual and we are putting together as we speak because again, every day these things tend to change with the guidance is um, protocols within buildings, both office and residential, in terms of uh, how, uh, how uh, tenants uh, circulate throughout the spaces. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if that addresses <laughs> most of the touch points, but it's, it's been a big impact. Hey, Thomas, uh, you wanna take a stab too? Sure, um, and so I think our portfolio is similarly struggling with a lot of the concepts that were just brought up, but uh, we're predominantly a residential firm so we deal with a lot of apartment houses. We have about 8,000 apartments that we own and manage in the city, in Manhattan and Brooklyn. Um, with those buildings, I'd say the first few weeks were utter panic and we thought we were going into a free fall with collections. Um, we then luckily realized that a lot had to do with the US Postal Service and there was a lot of rent checks that were stuck in the mail at the Postal Service. Um, so we were able to get those and we did okay actually with April collections and we were in the high 90s, 97% for April collections on residential and we're trending towards the same for May. I think we're already at 96% or something. So it's been okay. We've been dealing with our residential tenants on a case by case basis, trying to be fair. Um, but, uh, you know, trying to work with everybody and, um, working through their issues have, if they've been affected by COVID. Um, on the retail side, um, we've been seeing the hardest hit um, part of our portfolio, but we've been okay. We've had about 55% collections for um, the past two months, which has been a little bit better than what Tim was seeing. Um, in terms of preparation for reopening, we are going through much like Tim um, and uh, putting in touchless um, fixtures and bathrooms, retrofitting amenity spaces. So when we do reopen, people will feel more comfortable to use them um, and uh, enhanced cleaning services, thought process with how to handle packages and so on. We have two new construction projects going on right now. Um, both have an affordable component um, as part of the affordable New York program in New York City. So they have 30% um, middle income housing. So those were allowed to continue. We voluntarily stopped them for three weeks, not knowing what the impact would be to the different trades that are on the site and their unions would allow all the trades back onto the jobs. So uh, we took those two weeks to 
kind of refocused on our drawings, our permitting, and so on, uh, and have since opened both of them, and they have about 200 people on each site now, uh, working a day with, you know, less people on a hoist, um, less people using porta potties, etc. Um, so again, a lot of topics there, but uh, it was a very scary time. We've been okay so far, uh, and it was better than we expected it to be. Um, the retail has been the hardest hit, and we're just going to see now what what happens to the future um, with new asking rents and keeping people in New York City. Echoing a lot of what uh, everyone has said already, especially Tim said about how suddenly this came on. This is really different from what happened in the early 90s with the real estate downturn, 9-11 and the Great Recession of 2008 because of the suddenness and how it impacts everybody, not just the weaker, the weaker tenants. We've been, in, um, April was a terrible month for collections for us. We only collected 53% of the billable rent um, versus 93% in March and 104% in, in February. May is better already, 61% collected. Um, a lot of that has to do with tenants um, getting PPP money uh, and they don't want to hold on to it. They want to get it out of their hands as quickly as possible so they don't have to pay it back to the government. Um, we've been triaging tenants, um, trying to filter out those who need help from those who are just asking for it. There's a lot of opportunistic behavior that's disappointing. As Peter said, our tenants are our partners and our, our uh, MO is to keep the tenants in, this, in, in the buildings because as everyone on this call knows, it's a lot less costly to keep a tenant and lose a few months rent than to have to replace them, have the vacancy time, have the construction costs, have the brokerage, have free rent, all the things that go into making a deal. Um, the city council hasn't helped us at all because those who are trying to take advantage know that we have no leverage. It's, it's sort of disappointing. Um, not that we want to go to battle with everyone. We can't. We don't want to. Um, but our hands are tied. Um, when, when city council members say that, or, or I don't think this law is passed yet, but they're trying to pass a law saying that the guarantee, you can enforce a guarantee at this time. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like taking, taking our leverage away where we need to use it. We don't like to use it. We try to, um, as I said, keep the tenants in place and paying rent. Um, we've seen about 2% tenant failure so far, um, two restaurants, um, a lot of people just don't see the future. Um, it's, it's an odd situation. Many do. And many, look, many tenants is Peter, may, maybe you have a better tenant base and everyone's paying. We have a lot of tenants that are paying. We've had some very credit worthy tenants that haven't paid. But when, when we reach out and speak to them, they, they start paying. Um, many of you may be aware or not that Starbucks sent out a letter on Friday to all of their landlords saying that they need a year's worth of concessions. Um, unfortunately, there was no contact information in the letter and there was no um, uh, managing our expectations as to what they're looking for. But uh, we'll see what happens come June 1st because they do pay their rent like clockwork. Um, so we are working through this. The return to work scenario is, is just a whole new game. Um, 
you know, hygiene, personal, personal and facility hygiene, traffic flow, more spacing out of workers, air filtration, employee readiness, anxiety over people. You know, a lot of people don't want to come back to their spaces. And those are going to be the ones that might be the most difficult. Peter mentioned elevator crowding, opening up stairwells for people to use. Um, so there's less crowding on elevators. Does that lead to more slip and falls in insurance cases? Who we don't know. There's so much unknown today that we're just waiting for this to, you know, for us to be able to go back to work and put things in and see how they work. Just as some quick uh, statistics uh, in New York City, um, retail rents probably have a 20 to 25 percent collection rate. Office is a little bit more difficult because if you have a certain type of tenant, you might collect 85 to 90 percent. If you have small tenants um, in certain industries, you might be collecting less than 50%. Um, hotel occupancy, which is the hardest hit, is obviously at around a 20% occupancy. And at that point, rep par doesn't matter, but it's the lowest it's been ever, about $120 in the last 15 or 20 years. Um, and, uh, you know, if you have residential, what we've seen from our client base, which probably, you know, involves close to 100,000 units in New York City, a lot of them collected over 85 to 90%. If it was a true workforce um, apartment project, um, high um, workforce, you're probably at the 70 to 75% uh, level. But most people are waiting to the summer to see how that goes. So um, the reality is, is that we've, pretty, we've been pretty okay up to now, but people are certainly biting their nails as to what the summer brings. Um, the next question I'd like uh, Tim to, to handle. There've been many articles about the demise of New York City and for that matter, many cities. Do you think that is realistic? having been a New Yorker for most of your life? Yeah, well, I guess the answer to this depends on what day you get me. Um, <laughs> as a New Yorker and knowing what the city has been through um, over the many decades, even before my life, uh, its res its resiliency in the long term will come true. I think it, there's it, it's going to always be New York City, the center of, of this country. and. It, you know, it, it made its place in the last two decades as a real center of the world, uh, as a world city. Um, <clears throat> a lot of conversations I have uh, during the days in the last few weeks have all uh, centered around what does the city look like uh, in the short term, medium term and long term. I, I spoke to the long term just now. I'm, I'm optimistic on it. I have a, a development project that we're about to break ground on, which I wouldn't be doing if I if I didn't believe uh, in the long-term viability of the city. Um, short term, you know, we are also the epicenter of COVID in the country, if not the world. Um, and uh, we've had some pretty, uh, not I'm not saying they're not right, but tough um, uh, measures to deal with that. Uh, and that's, it's, impacted our businesses in the city and tax collections uh, and the city financially and the state which can help support the city are going to be coming out of this in no position to really help 
uh, in any effective way, I don't think get us uh, back on our feet. At least that's not what I've been hearing uh, from the council and the Senate uh, in terms of their solutions. Uh, I heard Cuomo today say that the state is doing everything they can by allowing businesses to pay their taxes a month later. Well, that's not an abatement or <laughs> that's, not much, that's not much help. Uh, so I, I do think there's gonna be a lot of struggles. I hear all the time about people leaving the city. Uh, maybe they're gonna make their second home permanent. Um, uh, I, I think what was gonna take place over the next five years in terms of people moving out or uh, the change of retail is all gonna happen much quicker. Uh, everything's accelerating. This is, this is for going to be a lot rougher um, and you know there's going to be a dip of population I, 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 I spent two hours on the phone today with um, uh, with people talking to me about uh, where I currently am in in Dutchess County talking to me about rentals up here or buying up here we have a friend whose house went on the market on Monday and received an ask ask offer uh, things here by the way don't sell usually within three to four years. So uh, there's, you know, th there's going to be an immediate reaction um, that's gonna hurt and then things will stabilize and reinvent themselves and then the city will come back. And I, I don't know what that time frame looks like, uh, but it's, I, I don't think just lifting stay at home is gonna solve, uh, is gonna solve uh, all, all the issues that the city is facing right now. Well, I think that's that's a it's a great uh, statement because um, there was a very good article in the New York Times on Saturday about you know cities, and you know COVID is just one issue. <clears throat> Problems in the city stem from many things, and certainly New York is the largest. We have our share of it from probably the worst uh, city management anybody on this panel has seen in years and years. Um, to the fact that we at one time had probably the best public educational system um, in the country, if not the world. And today it's probably worse than certain third world countries. And without a proper infrastructure, that also hurts, sort of alluding to what you were saying. Thomas, do you have anything to, to add to that? I think Tim said it very well, and I agree with... Um everything he said, really, I think that the city is resilient. Uh, I think no one knows what this looks like for the next few years, but I do think that for a lot of, for us, our rental demographic of uh, who we see coming in the door are young 20-somethings at people graduating Trinity College and so on, who don't want to live in the suburbs. They want to live in somewhere in New York City, and They'll be the first people back at bars when the bars do reopen after a vaccine comes out, which will hopefully be obviously sooner than later. Um, but they don't want to go live with their parents back in New Jersey or Connecticut, ideally, if they don't have to. Um, and they're going to push to be back into the city. So I think depending on our asset type, uh, you know, if we have a new project going on in Brooklyn with a lot of studios and uh, small one bedrooms, I think those renters are going to be there at some level. Um, when it reopens. I think another problem for the city and in turn for all of us is uh, the fiscal deficit coming out of all of this and how the mayor uh, 
ends up trying to to recoup those those lost funds. Um, I think the biggest, most obvious thing is for him to raise real estate taxes on people because it's the easiest target to uh, to go after. But it's going to be very difficult when we're all coming out of this uh, in a bad position and the city was on shaky ground kind of before from an investment perspective for a lot of people, uh, not knowing about the future of the tax abatement programs that were out there. Um, and so I think if he doesn't handle it the right way, I think it will further curb uh, investment in New York City and and prevent new housing from being built, which is you know trouble for everyone on this panel. Okay, thank you. Um, next question should really go to um, Peter and David. Um, certain high level executive has expressed interest in moving some of their employees from their offices to their homes even after the outbreak is contained. Do you think we will see a significant uptick with people remotely? And how will that affect uh, office rents? Peter, why don't you start, David, afterwards? Yeah. So, um, so John, I mean, I, I think it's a very interesting question, and you know, and obviously, uh, the CEO of Morgan Stanley um, made a big statement that they need, need less space than more space, and then you know, you talk to other folks, and they may want more space um, as opposed to less space. I think the biggest issue is people are going to have to get over uh, their concerns about uh, mass transit, public transit. Um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, you know, I, I worked to, I kept going to the city to near to the beginning of April. And, you know, I started getting, I was very lonely on the, um, on the uh, real, real car that I was in because <laughs> there was generally nobody else with me. And so I do think people are really concerned more about the transit situations than anything else. And if we can show that the trains are clean, the subways are clean, um, that the public spaces are clean, I, I, I think that, that that will go a long way. Obviously a vaccine, you know, is a game changer and, um, and certainly, you know, we're all hopeful for that just for lots of reasons. So, but, you know, there has been noise about, you know, not only working remotely, about people taking space in the suburbs, as you're aware that we have a, you know, good portion of our portfolio is also in the suburbs. And we've seen some interest, but I wouldn't say it's been overwhelming interest of uh, tenants looking to move operations out. Um, you know, the, at the end of the day, you still have to, you know, operate your buildings and uh, provide good service and good facilities. And, you know, we'll see where this all ends up. Um, it's definitely different. And um, I'm not sure we actually know all the fallout yet, but um, we're clearly we're clearly getting closer to it, and um, and I guess we'll know more once they uh, release the hounds and let people go back to work in um, in New York, and we'll see what the what the response is. I mean, from my perspective, if I have any you know employees that are nervous about coming to New York, then we'll figure something out um, because you know that's the what you should do, and I'm sure that's what most companies are looking at right now. Thank you. David, can you add anything to that? I think 
Um, just as the chairman or the CEO of Morgan Stanley talked about taking less space, Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg made an announcement today saying that within 10 years, Facebook will all be virtual. All the employees will be working virtually from home or not from office space. I, I just, I don't see that. I see um, ideas coming out of people being in rooms together and talking. I don't see, look, the, for the short term, I think there's going to be a de-densification because people are going to be afraid and have anxiety. I get it. I don't want to jump on the subway today. Uh, although after 9-11, I didn't either. And it just was that first time that I got on the subway after 9-11 and I said, all right, I'm getting off. And after that, I sort of forgot about my fears. And I think when the vaccine, when a vaccine uh, comes to the market and people get vaccinated and people start going back to their pre-COVID habits, which will be inevitable um, because we are creatures of habit, I, I think people will filter back, those who have left the city will filter back. Remember after 9-11, every large company uh, built a disaster uh, relief center in another state. Uh, so all the large banking companies in New York City went across the river to New Jersey to have a place to go in case there was another 9-11. I, I don't foresee anything like that happening this time. And I see uh, once we get past this hump and a vaccine comes out, New York City will start filling up again. I don't know what that time frame is. When I talk to new tenants about making deals and they talk about um, how difficult it's going to be for the next year or so, I said, okay, let's look past that year when things get back to normal. And so we'll, when we make a new lease and we make your rents, we'll give you a, a year at some basement bargain, bargain basement rate, and then we'll start filter, uh, uh, turning it up to what it should be in the future. I don't foresee that the cities, this is the demise of the great cities of which New York is the greatest. Thank you. And this one is gonna be for, I think, Tom, Thomas and uh, Tim, and also for Peter and David. Um, when the world returns to normalcy, do you think uh, everything will be ratcheted back. Condo prices, residential rents, office, you know, I, wanna, I don't even uh, wanna talk about hotels and, and, and retail. Do you think um, cap rates, which, you know, historically, uh, you know, we're in the range of anywhere from three to four percent, do you think uh, we're gonna see, and I think we are gonna see cap rates much higher. Uh, Thomas, what's your uh, opinion on that? Um, I agree with, I think the cap rates will go up. Um, I think we're already seeing some opportunities that have been brought to us. I'm sure we all see the same things. Um, I think the condo pricing, I, I've heard actually that anecdotally the condo market was actually okay in January and February going into this. And then this obviously shut everything down, but I think condo prices will be down for a continued period of time, even though they've been down for a while now. Um, I think on the rental side, we're projecting an eight per five to eight percent decrease on our stabilized assets over the next uh, eight months until we well till the end of the year, um, seven eight months. Um, their guesses we don't really know. Um, we're going to start offering more concessions than we have in the past. The buildings offering free rent and uh, and paying brokerage commissions. On the retail side, I think that they're going to 
rents are going to be way down. I think cap rates are going to have to go up. I can't imagine buying a retail condominium right now. Um, but that's where the opportunities lie. And I think for those who are looking for opportunities, this is going to be a, an exciting time in the next few years when uh, we all get the confidence to reinvest in the market. Tim? Um, what he said. Um, uh, I, Did you, you've been in the condo market? I'm, luck, I'm fortunate to be out of the condo market, uh, including my apartment, which closed just before this happened. Right. Um, I, uh, I, I agree with Thomas that there was some glimmers of stabilization of the condo market in the beginning of the year. That rug has now been pulled out. And uh, there's the inventory uh, overhang, which was a big issue, is going to be even bigger when the demand component uh, uh, st uh, steps back. Uh, so that gap is going to, what, what, let's say condo prices are going to need to go down 5%, whatever, it's now double, trip, what, more than that. So that, that's, that is going to be, I think, severely impacted. Um, and there's a difference between those that have to sell and those that don't and new developments, et cetera. But um, uh, in terms of uh, rents, uh, we think exactly the same as, uh, as, as Thomas and the Broad School Organization. Uh, retail, um, I was on the National Appraisal Institute panel and they kept trying to pin me down for a comp, not surprising. Uh, and I just don't know what retail is worth right now uh, or will be worth. I found myself not thinking and saying out loud that I could see vacancy at 30, over 30%. And it sounded crazy to my, to my own ear, but I'm starting to believe it uh, after this. So I think retail rents have a ways to go down to reset. Um, I probably will be, well, I don't even want to go there, but, and I think cap rates will, well, they're already elevated in retail. It's already a tough asset type. Uh, it was already, I heard someone say that uh, retail was like a 80 year old with pre existing conditions going into COVID. Uh, it was what does suffering. that make hotels? <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that make hotels? <laughs> well, it, it had the pressures of e commerce on one side and, you know, the legislature, you know, the city and state legislators on the other just uh, burdening it with regulation and taxes. So uh, that, I don't even know what that's going to look like, but it will find its bottom. And as Thomas said, looking forward to uh, some investment opportunities at that time. Um, and office rents, I don't, you know, I'm talking to Cushman, JLL, Newmark, all the major firms about this because we have an office building that's in mid-lease up. And as mentioned before, some tenants want to shrink their footprints. Some want more space because they need more, you know, cramming people into an office doesn't work anymore. Uh, so I, I don't have a lot of, my opinion on that changes, like my opinion on a lot of things, depending on when you get me on, uh, I think office, I don't know office will be trending up um, to some degree until the flood of capital that's out there is hungry for yield and whatever distress has worked its way through the system. And then, you know, the spread between treasuries and cap rates is going to look pretty, pretty good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Peter, do you have anything to add or David? Well, you listen, I, all I would say is that, that, you know, it's like, 
you know, markets are markets and we're definitely in a different one. Values have come down, you know, kind of in a real time scenario. Uh, we just placed a very large loan on, um, on a commercial property and, um, you know, the rate backed up by, you know, 50 or 75 basis points right before we closed. And I think the valuation on the asset were appraised basis. Um, if it was a 50% loan to value, maybe it went to a 60% loan to value. So clearly there's concern as to where things are going. Um, however, you know, it's, um, it's like everything. I mean, there's, you have to look at this as whether or not you can, you know, there's opportunity and I feel there's opportunity. Um, I do like, I tend to enjoy markets that are jumbled. And so we're looking at some things right now and we'll do some things. As I said, we have properties in the suburbs and, um, you know, we're having some, some interest out there. Um, but I'm not, don't think there'll be a wholesale change with New York city tenants coming out. So I'm very bullish on New York city. Um, we're, we are fairly lucky that we have a very low, um, we have a very low amount of retail space. Um, and we're working with each and every one of our retail tenants. Um, you know, as you know, there we do have, we've had collection issues, but you know, everybody's trying to work through it and, and get there. Um, I think New York's a very, very unique city and will always be. And so, um, just got to keep plugging away. You know, it's markets are markets and, um, there's, you know, nothing ever stays the same. And obviously this, this has been a unique situation that we're all, that we're all dealing with, but I think it's, um, an opportunity to, to do some interesting things, which will be good for the business long-term. I think it'll make, I think we'll be making changes to the way we operate properties, which will be, you know, which is a very positive thing. And I don't see any wholesale, um, you know, people running for the exits of New York city. It's just not going to happen. David, do you have anything? Yeah. Um, so since the great recession, we've had a huge, uh, you know, eight, nine, 10, huge rent growth. I mean, on, on, unestimated rent growth that nobody could have imagined. We have, there are buildings in New York City where the rent's over $200 a foot. Um, as Tom said, ret retail was having its problems before COVID because those rents had spiraled so high that uh, the tenants couldn't afford to uh, stay in the spaces. Those started retracting and, and, and reducing and they'll continue to do so until they hit, hit, a, hit a level where the retailers are comfortable going in and thinking they can do things in a brick and mortar location. Um, we, we are working on a, on a large deal right now with a tenant and we've been working on a deal with the tenant since December. There's been no, um, maybe I'm shooting myself in the foot here, but there's been no uh, rattling of the saber about uh, retrading on the rent. Uh, the, the deal is going through as it was originally um, negotiated. 
So that, that's a good sign. Um, with other large tenants, um, to ease their pain and to make sure they stay in business, we've given 150,000 foot tenant a 15% rent reduction, um, short term, but uh, we felt it was necessary to keep them healthy and keep them in one of the properties. So I, I agree with Peter that we will come back and that this is short term. I think there's, the rents are very high right now. If I were a tenant trying to find office space in New York City, I, you know, I would try and take less space than more because of where the rents are. But I think that will change in the short term. I think the asking rents are going to, you know, owners want to keep their spaces rented. We don't only rent space, we rent time. And once the time is gone, we can never get it back. So if you take, uh, if you lower your rents and it helps you rent the space, then that that's a win-win uh, for the for the owner. So, um, and this this question once again, anybody can chime in. But what's uh, what what is the panel's uh, respective experiences with the capital markets, debt, equity? Have you found it dysfunctional? Have you found it operational? Um, obviously, I, I, I personally have found. I'm going to jump in quickly. The relationship loans the lenders have been very flexible. You ask for forbearance, you demonstrate to them that you need forbearance and they're there for you. Right. Uh, the CMBS loans, it's a completely different story. My, my question really, and that is another question, David, but the, really the question is, have you found them willing to do new loans? Um, have they been um, forthcoming in, in, in looking at new projects? Um, have you seen lenders um, uh, be on the sidelines? You know, there's a number of tiers of lenders. You've got your commercial banks, your, your life companies, your debt funds, your securitized lenders, and then you have others, obviously. Well, we're not doing any right now, so I have to yield to Peter, who just finished one. Well, so may maybe to say it a little bit differently. So, yes, we had had a uh, big loan queued up. Um, maybe right before the crisis hit, but we finally, we signed the term sheet um, basically at the end of March and we closed on May 1st. And it was a balance sheet lender, it was an insurance company and they you know, were great to work with. Um, we did end up paying a higher, you know, higher interest rate, but that's because the, the underlying markets got a little wacky, um, but um, you know we thought it was a very fair fair deal. My understanding and in going into the debt market on a few other assets um, is that the CMBS market is still a bit of a mess. Most of the commercial banks are sitting on the sidelines right now. Um, debt funds. A number of them have had their own issues um, with uh, their own lines being called and such. So, you know, debt has been a little bit more difficult, um, regardless of where interest rates are and such right now. Um, so I think if you have a good asset, the funds are out there. Um, if you have, I think what's, what's really going to be more difficult and and this is all goes back to cap rates 
and values is that some of this interim financing and such just may not exist today. So we're really back to more basic types of financing until the markets change and people get more confidence um, in the way the world's going. Anybody else like to say something, Thomas? Yeah, I, we uh, we two refinancings that were in the process before we hit COVID. So those those closed in the month of April, and that that was okay. Actually, they were concerned about rent collections, um, but we were able to show pretty good rent collection results for the two assets in question. Um, and then I think a lot of what Peter said, but uh, we do have a couple of assets that have very low leverage, which are good assets and good locations in New York. Um, and we're actually going to go and take more money out of them just because the interest rates that we're seeing are sub three. And that's very attractive money for us for 15 year money um, interest only. So it is an opportunity where we have lower leverage assets to uh, do a takeout and try to use those funds for something more uh, productive and going into new deals. Um, yeah. Okay, Tim. Okay. John, I think you should probably answer this question uh, better than most. Uh, we haven't really been tapping to the uh, uh, the capital markets to the, um, uh, the last few months. Um, I've had a few conversations as we're putting in offers on properties to see what's out there, uh, and um, I think I think uh, I think there is at least from our our relationship banks. Um, relationship lenders uh, they're still there for us uh, lower LTV for sure um, lower else excuse me lower LTV uh, slightly um, uh, maybe some covenants I might not normally see uh, but um, in terms of CMBS market etc we don't really go there so I can't speak to them uh, they just sound very sounds very inflexible uh, but um, it's uh, as Thomas alluded, the money's cheaper, but they might not lend to the same level uh, as, uh, as in uh, February. Listen, it's pretty much what everybody said on the panel. You can just say that they're less lenders. Um, the dollars are not as great. Um, if you have a, a, an extremely low leverage deal, you might be able to get three or, or sub three, but for the most part, rates are higher than that. Um, and there's more structure. So, you know, it's, it's exactly what everybody said on the panel. And then the next question was, is sort of what David was sort of uh, talking about is forbearances. Um, so everybody on this panel owns real estate and I'd like to hear what type of forbearances um, you've been seeing. And then on the other hand, have you been getting forbearances on the other side of the coin, meaning your lenders, if you need it? Have they been sympathetic? David, why don't you start where you left off? Um, as I was saying, the relationship lenders, uh, am I unmuted? Can you hear me? Yep, yep, we can hear you. The relationship lenders are, uh, if you make a, a case that you need help, they're there to help you. Um, they can, uh, if you have interest amortization, uh, oftentimes they'll, defer the amortization till the end of the loan. It just makes your balloon payment that much larger. Uh, sometimes they'll extend the loan by a few months. Uh, we have a property up in um, 
uh, upstate New York where uh, it was really suffering and it was a relationship loan uh, with a local bank and they gave us uh, interest and amortization forbearance for three months, which was wonderful. Um, we have a shopping center down in Savannah, Georgia, which has CMBS financing and we've written, we've called, we've asked, no response, nobody to talk to. Okay. Um, Thomas, Tim, Peter, anything? And what you're seeing on the tenant side as well as the debt side, if, if you need to access that? Um, we actually, we have one hotel. We don't, not generally hotel people, but it's the only project that we have where we've had to ask for forbearance. And again, to David's point, it's a great um, relationship bank with M&T, who we have a long relationship with. Uh, and they've agreed to give us forbearance on that. Um, on our other assets, we have not had to ask for it, luckily, um, across the portfolio. Okay. Um, anybody else in terms of tenants, lenders? Where I can say on, on our retail condos, um, where we have asked for forbearance, we've gotten usually two months of interest that gets tacked on to the back end. Um, which is matching well or was matching well with any deferments we were giving tenants, uh, which were also about two months, but now three as the uh, shutdown continues in New York. Okay. Peter, anything to add to that? So uh, no, luckily we've, uh, we've been okay. Um, you know, we've had a lot of conversations with our lenders. Um, just, I think they've been, we're lucky we have pretty active guys that reach out to us um, and we have limited CMBS financing. So that's very helpful. So it's um, so far so good. Okay. Thank you. And this, you know, is the question I'm sure everybody is wanting to know about in here is opportunities. Where do you think opportunities are going to come from? When do you have a feeling you'll see opportunities or have you seen opportunities now? Um, Tim, you want to go into that? Um, we, I will admit that we are looking outside of the city, uh, as much as I love New York, just for diversification. Um, uh, I think the better opportunities will be in New York city. Um, uh, you know, we, we will focus on those areas that we know best, which is, uh, 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 residential, retail, um, uh, you know, but we're, we're scouring the market. It could be uh, bulk condo purchases. Um, they might come down to a level where rentals work. Um, it could be uh, deed and lieu uh, situations, or maybe in some cases, it's just being able to purchase uh, land for a ground up uh, development at a land basis which actually makes a rental work for us. And I would call that a win because I haven't seen that in some years. Um, and so uh, I, I think the opportunities could come in lots of different ways. There, uh, I know uh, there are those who are scouring uh, hotel debt um, uh, or retail debt um, for opportunistic buys there. So um, I, I think it comes in many different ways uh, and one just needs to have their finger in as many 
uh, holes as possible to try and um, stay in front of something when it comes by. I don't really know how much there'll be. I remember in the financial crisis, I thought there was going to be, uh, I could pick and choose what I wanted and it didn't turn out to be that way. Again, there is a lot of money out there. Uh, the fact um, that people are putting in preemptive offers on things that are not distressed yet, <laughs> that I've, that's what I've heard, um, uh, to me indicates that there's only so far, I think values will drop to some degree. Um, so again, I would be happy to uh, end up with uh, some, uh, some development sites with just good land bases that I haven't seen in eight, eight, ten years. Okay, thank you, Peter, Duncan. Yeah. So, as I said before, John, we like these. You know, we like markets when um, things are get edgy, I guess. And so, we are seeing some some opportunities a deal that we were working on in Manhattan um, you know the pricing on it has you know dropped um, I would say in the last 45 days has dropped maybe 20% um, and now this was you know there's more reasons for it I don't think there's been a wholesale I'm not suggesting that the markets dropped off by 20% um, there's some other things going on because this was, um, you know, a more difficult type asset. Um, but it, there are going to be things out there. And, um, you know, the most important thing is, you know, when you take on somebody else's problems, don't make them your own. And that's a difficult thing um, when you're trying to figure out, you know, when you're looking at these deals, because you also have to figure out whether or not the debt that you know, you always thought would be there is going to be there and as well as, you know, possibly your equity and such. But um, as I said before, we're very bullish on New York. We're looking at um, a couple different deals um, and, um, you know, we're hopeful, but we're also, you know, by the way, we've always had a big stake in the suburbs and we're looking at some interesting transactions outside of the city as well. Um, just because we think it's um, it's solid business and our our assets generally outside the city are very well occupied. So it's you, everything you got to do is you just got to work hard, roll up your sleeves, and figure out how to make it work. Thank you. Um, and just to you know, sort of the general statement, I think that actually David sort of alluded to earlier in the conversation. And this has to do with, you know, the gravity of the situation that we're in. And when I was asked to do this, I went back to when I graduated from Trinity, which was obviously 1975. And I counted up all the recessions, some worse than others, but still recessions. And I came to nine recessions since 1975, three of which um, and this one were sort of very hard. Um, and I then try to add up all the years that um, I was involved in these um, terrible situations and it turned out to be almost half my career, about 19 and a half, 20 years. <laughs> the, the, I guess the statement is, don't laugh, Peter, please. Is why Sorry. I lost all my hair um, is that you know, these crises occur, 
you don't know sometimes why they occur. They've all occurred for different and various reasons. This one is much different. But at the end of the day, it passes and we get by and we go back to some sort of normalcy. But clearly close to 20 years out of 40 um, in, in recessions. And some of them were, were really horrible. So this, these questions are really for the entire panel. And they're tough questions. What advice would you give to new graduates? And then how has Trinity impacted your respective careers and businesses? Thomas, why don't you start with that? Um, I think uh, for advice for coming into the market, I think it's going to be a tough time to enter uh, a lot of firms. Um, I think it's always a good opportunity to work for city government. I think you get very good experience at a young age. If you can get it, it's probably a frustrating experience, but it's one that I wish I, I had. Um, and then kind of continuing on to graduate program and higher education and then re-entering at hopefully a better time in the economy. Um, I think uh, Trinity has been invaluable for my life. And uh, I've always been impressed that for such a small school with a small student population, it has such a broad reach in the business world and the social world in New York City too, uh, that you meet people and you make that connection and it's an important connection to make with people. Okay, thank you. Um, Peter Duncan? Yeah, so, um, you know, John, like, a, it's, it is tough, um, but all, you know, I think again, it's just your willingness to put your nose to the grindstone and and work hard. Um, I am an American Studies major. I think uh, David Capella is as well. And the math that I use in my business, I probably learned in sixth grade. So it was really my liberal arts education at Trinity is a great basis because I, I, I do believe that it made me a far more well-rounded person to deal with situations I wasn't so focused in one area or another. And, um, you know, it's the real estate business is, is a great business. It's, um, it's not a black and white business. It's a gray business. Uh, there's no one right answer for anything, which I think we've all found there's different ways to get there. And so I do think the business is a great, great opportunity and such. Um, right now, there's probably fewer jobs available. Um, and there may be fewer jobs available for, you know, the immediate future. But um it's a great opportunity to take your, take your liberal arts education, your well-rounded uh, basis and apply it to business. Um, and I'm certainly happy to talk to anybody who would like to call and as to, as to what we do and, and to what you can do in the business. But um, Trinity was uh, a great foundation for me. Thank you, Tim and then David. Uh, sure. I mean, I echo those all those sentiments uh, in terms of how to get into real estate, commercial real estate. Now it's 
it's a tough market. You'll have to work that much harder as there's a contraction going on. Um, uh, perhaps the capital markets is a good place to be to see a lot of, you know, it, it goes back to what one of the things that makes Trinity strong is uh, the social networks you build there. And in the capital markets, you might get to see a lot of deals and meet a lot of people um, right now. I was actually an American Studies major too, by the way, for what it's worth. Uh, and I, awesome. I, I use less math in a sixth grade level because I have a calculator. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the ability to read, write, speak and think is based, sorry, someone, I don't know if you guys can hear that, but my son keeps getting FaceTimed uh, on my phone. Um, I think those are qualities that uh, will break through any, anything else. And if you have the right work ethic, uh, you know, <clears throat> real estate or not in life, I think those are, those are core principles that I see less and less uh, uh, with, with some of the younger folk and that I value more and more. Um, and so along with the social uh, networks and connections that I've made in, uh, at Trinity, which to this day uh, are still strong and growing, um, it's also just the ability to think that comes out of a liberal arts education um, that uh, I think are invaluable in all facets of life and business. David, you want to? Sure. I I want to echo what Tom said about reading, writing, and communicating clearly because that goes a long way when you're in the job market. Um, and we, Trinity, for me, was the right size institution where I couldn't get lost and I was accountable for my actions. And um, whereas a larger university, um, you know, you don't know your professors by name. You'd walk into a, a, a lecture only and the professor would say, good morning, David, or good morning, Mr. Coppell, depending on who the professor was and what kind of personality he or she had. But it, it, it made you show up because somebody knew that you were going to be there or were supposed to be there. Um, and that is what working is like. You have to be accountable. You have to show up every day. You have to keep, as Peter said, your nose to the grindstone. And the job that you may get, hopefully you get, might not be your forever job, but you will definitely learn skills in everything you do. And the job you get will be an entry-level position, and that should not uh, put you off because everybody has to start somewhere. And they don't all start as CEOs or um, presidents of companies. Um, they earn their stripes. You have to earn your stripes. And you'll do that when you find your position. And as Peter said, Feel free to call him. I mean, I'm kidding. Feel free to call me as well. <laughs> Thanks, David. <laughs> his home phone number is what, David? <laughs> I'm going to give you a cell phone number. <laughs> call him first. If he's busy, then call me. Um, feel free to reach out to uh, me at any time. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, and that's, that's it for, for my questions to the panel. One of our questions uh, came from uh, Chip Labonte. And it's kind of an interesting question. It's if JCPenney, Kohl's, and others go out of business, how do these large spaces uh, repurpose if there aren't any other retails to lease the space? And it's, it's a great question. I'll take a quick stab. Is that there are two real issues there. One is if you know how malls are built 
and what the demand factors are. All malls were built with anchors. And so that those um, tenants were the driving forces for the inline retail tenants that typically paid more money. The problem is, is that um, in order to sign um, inline tenants, they would have what is commonly referred to as co-tenancy agreements. So what that means is that if one of these anchors or two of these anchors um, leave um, um, the mall or the, or the center, that means that the inline um, tenant, which is paying you the most money, probably has a clause that reverts to a percentage rent clause or a huge decrease in their rents. So what we're seeing now, obviously, um, earlier in the week, JCPenney's announced they're going bankrupt, closing, I think, uh, I think they said a third of their stores, but statistically, 80% of retail chains that went bankrupt never um, emerged which was a surprise to me. In terms of the repurposing, um, you know, Tim and Tom and, you know, Peter and even David have been, have developed. Do you think some of these, uh, these moles have any purpose after uh, you can clean them out? I'm, I'm not a mall <laughs> guy, but um, what- You got an idea. That, I've, been to, I've been to one. Uh, values, value re results aside, you know, in general, they're well located. So whether it's this experiential retail that is talked about or, uh, or uh, re uh, rezoning, repurposing into other uses like residential, uh, if the townships are behind it, um, storage, logistics, distribution, uh, I mean, they're well located. It's good real estate. Um, it's just uh, a, a new model for some of these probably have to be uh, considered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, John, it's, uh, I mean, the bottom line is real estate is all location, 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 right? And so, as Tim just said, so we are actually looking at, at one right now where we would look to repurpose it, where the amount of retail would drop significantly. There would be... Um, residential there would be office involved um you know it's a big repurposing um but i do but i do agree with him that you know if the locations are good real estate you know the value should be there so you just have to be you know you just have to be careful in your underwriting and such that the demand is there for what you're thinking about um statistically between 30 and 35% of, of all the malls in the country um, will probably um, go bankrupt in the next year to two. Um, and that really leads into what Peter said, the best malls have great location, or I think Tim said that, or Peter. The reality is this country in the 60s and 70s built way too much square footage, and we have three, four times um, the level square footage that we need. And with now most of the main retail tenants or anchors filing bankruptcy, um, you'll see a huge amount of these malls uh, um, go under. Yep. But we'll see what happens. Um, the question, how can a student launch a career in commercial real estate in the current economic climate and pandemic? Good question, tough question, Tom. 
Uh, I mean, I'm not in commercial real estate, so I'm probably not the best person to answer that one. But uh, listen, I think what, what everyone else said here, I think, you know, try to get in um, to the job probably that you're not looking for and it's a little bit below what you're expecting, but try to get in and, and work hard and uh, roll your sleeves up and prove yourself. Okay. Um, Peter? Uh, listen, <laughs> whoever sent the question, happy to talk to you and uh, give you some guidance. Um, you know, it's, there is opportunity out there. There's the, you know, the industry is not coming to uh, a grinding halt. So, um, you know, if you need some, uh, some help, please call. Um, this is sort of a, uh, interesting question and anybody who wants to answer it, um, jump in. Do you think that COVID-19 will trigger a downturn in urbanization? If so, what specific impact do you think it will have on the real estate market? Um, I think short term, it's going to have a, uh, an impact on the residential market as we've seen markets outside of the city picking up tremendously over the last month. Um, uh, long term, I don't think it will be the death knell. Organization. There'll be a vaccine, just like there was a vaccine in 1918 and every other terrible plague that's come around and cities disappeared. And I don't think it'll be any different this time. Okay, thank you. Anybody I else? I think further to that too, I think that if you look at the drivers for New York City and the growth of um, the population, it is the, the, the job creation and the job opportunities for people, but it's also the culture and being able to go to the museums and going to Broadway and restaurants and bars and socializing. And that's why people really want to live in New York City and they want to make enough money to be able to, to survive there. So I think when things start to reopen, I think that you're going to be back into the urbanization world. And I think dense living uh, populations lead to uh, people who are, who are generally creative and, and interesting people. Okay, thank you. Then this question, do you see the dramatic growth density in New York City over the last cycle to now spread out to the suburbs and benefit the greater metro area overall? Since the Great Recession, most suburban office markets have never really recovered as no significant tech sector business has expanded to the suburbs. Anybody like to take a stab on that? Well, I've got a lot of space out in the suburbs. So I, I appreciate that question. Um, and there's no doubt that um, I think the suburbs that have been doing better have been those that have been far more urban suburban locations. And especially if you've had properties that have been more train centric and such. I, you know, I think in today's world that may that sphere may be expanded a little bit where, you know, people will want to drive a little bit more, but we're still very keen on properties that are near train stations. Um, you know, easy commute to, you know, Manhattan um, or other locations. Um, so I'm you know, I, I do think that there there is going to be more urban, urbanization of suburbs such as 
cities like White Plains, cities like Stanford, um, you know, maybe certain communities along the railroad lines. New Rochelle has a lot of stuff going on. You know, in Westchester, there are things going on in New Jersey. So I, I, you know, I do think that this there is an expansion, and I also, but I also think that's being propelled by other things. I think you know many people are now getting to a certain age where they have they're married, they have children, and you know the prospect of sending your child to um, private school where you could go out to some of the suburbs where there are exceptional public schools. Um, you know, there's. I think there's a lot of other factors that are going on and it's not really just solely driven by our current situation. I think this, these were things that were pent up for a while. Thank you. Um, this question, we talked a lot about challenges. Do you see any opportunities in specific areas, multifamily, section eight, commercial? Anybody wanna, Tim? Uh, sure. I mean, I feel like I might have touched on this already, uh, so I don't have too much more to add than what I, I said earlier. Um, I think there's going to be a range of opportunities across all those asset types. Um, how big the opportunity is and how large the discount is, I think, depends on the asset type or what level of risk you're willing to take as you, uh, as you dive in. But um, I think everything's going to be impacted somehow by this, except for maybe data centers, <laughs> but uh, at least uh, of those asset types you mentioned. Um, you know, I think at this point, we're already about a half hour past uh, our allotted time. I'd just like to thank our panel, Lauren and Caitlin. And um, as Peter said, if anybody has any questions, you can start in the order of Peter, David. <laughs> And Thomas can uh, take the back, okay? Send them all to John. If you have any questions, just feel free to email me, okay? Thank you all for uh, doing this tonight, okay? Thanks, John. Not Thank that anybody you. has that much to do. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you, John. I'll speak to you tomorrow, gentlemen.